0: Welcome in, everybody, to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in We are a podcast at Burn Orange Nation. And you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorigenation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. Let's get the show out there. Share those with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. Feel free to connect with us on social media at... Longhorn Pod. Shoot us an email, longhornrepublicpod at gmail.com. Find us on Facebook, the Longhorn Republic, where we will be doing uh, some real cool stuff this year for uh, game days. I'm excited to talk about it at the end of the show. But my name is Gerald Goodrich. I'm your host this week like I am every week, and I'm joined by the President Emeritus of the Barrick Neely Fan Club, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you?
1: Hey, man, the, the uh, 2005 Texas State Bobcat team is one that uh, is very close to my heart. I'm happy to welcome Barrick back to the Central Texas region uh, as a coach for the UTEP Miners. But uh, my brother, full disclosure, played for Coach Tom Herman on that Bobcats team. And it's when I first met uh, a lot of those characters who I got to know very well and, and who stayed in touch over the years. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I will stand hard that had they been four or five years later and had it been a few uh, more televised games, that that would be a truly – legendary uh, team. Neely had almost 400 yards and two touchdowns against the Aggies. I think my brother had 150 yards receiving against the Aggies, forever Longhorn. Um, in a Longhorn, in a non-conference game. Gave them every bit they could handle in a rescheduled hurricane game that year. My brother had a, a leap from about the five-yard line over two defenders. Barrick finished, uh, I think, second that year for what at that time was the 1AA Heisman equivalent to Walter. Payton Award, uh, they were a fun team. They put from, again, a, a team that did not win the national title at a second uh, level, FCS uh, equivalent now level. They put, I think, six guys uh, into the NFL that year. So a really fun team. And obviously, uh, Barrett Neely, the greatest Texas State quarterback of all time, Houston area product.
0: Yeah, you, you mentioned him via text, and you were like, you know, my brother played with the, the, UTEP, uh, the UTEP running backs coach, and I was like, wait. Like Berik Neely, right? Like, just say that next. Like any anybody who's followed college football in the Central Texas region or in te- like for the last probably twenty years knows Berik Neely. But that's fine. Yeah. So again, running backs coach Berik Neely, UTEP.
1: They were they were actually they were actually a very fun NCAA six team back when your your three key players had stars on them. Berik had a star. Uh, my brother had a star, and then I think David Simmons, the linebacker, had the star. on the defense as the captains or whatever. Uh, but Barrick, being a mobile quarterback who had like a ninety-something throw power uh, and, and a couple fast receivers, they were a sneaky like, oh no, you be a you know a decent four-star team. I'll play with these little nothings uh, who you could sneak up on some people with.
0: That was Kyle's favorite thing to do. He and I almost got in a fist fight. It's no big deal. So uh, <laughs> we're here to talk football, Kyle. It's our game preview podcast. ho Lee ah. McGillicuddy. We are finally, finally, finally here, Kyle. It felt like a long time coming. Our long national nightmare without Texas football is hopefully over in just a few short days. But University of Texas is hosting its one non-conference game this year, UTEP. Coming to town fresh off of a 24-14 uh, to 14 victory over FCS Stephen F. Austin out there in the desert. So uh, an interesting game to watch if you watched it. The students that produced it tried their hardest, but I don't just it, – it's okay. As someone who did plenty of student broadcasts that were probably equally not as good, I feel you. Much love, UTEP broadcast students.
1: That game was in- incredible for the the production value. That my favorite part was what you pointed out. The instead of uh, third and eight, you just got the three ampersand eight. Uh, no, didn't have the production budget for suffixes, which I totally get.
0: I get. It, it. You know what? Suffixes are expensive. Those keystrokes. Um, it, the first time you're ever in one of those production vans is one of the yeah. scariest things. You're like, this is like a spaceship. Like, I feel like I need to just be yeah. at NASA. But so UTEP kind of eked that one out. They trailed. Fourteen to three early. Um, their quarterback, seventeen to twenty-eight for two twelves with a touchdown, an interception, and a fumble. So two turnovers from the signal caller. We also got their running back Dion uh, Hankins, who is one of the uh, one of the, I guess, best running backs not just in school history, but like in city history as well. Uh, he and Aaron Jones, um, kind of are, are close, and Aaron Jones is on every fantasy team I'm drafting this year. You should probably look at that. <laughs> What did you let's just say like what did you see from UTEP, Kyle, on Saturday evening as we watched this weird stream uh on the ESPN app?
1: Dion Hankins, the running back you mentioned, is is a redshirt freshman. He probably would have just played outright as a true freshman, but he, he had a concussion, played in two games, uh and then they they shut him down, knowing that again, he has by far the greatest rusher in in high school history, El Paso high school history, I should say. Um, Like, I think he had, like, close to 8,000 yards in high school. Um, Just an electric player who didn't even play until his freshman year of high school. Um, A guy who went from no stars to getting recruited by Arkansas, Oklahoma State, Utah, others. And Aaron Jones basically called him and talked him home. Like, this week, I hope we shut him down, you know, tremendously. But I hope he goes on to have a really fantastic career um, he's a guy I'm rooting for uh, our, our buddy Shayhan over at uh, Dave Campbell Texas football did a profile of him last year um, and had some great quotes um, from him and he just seems like a genuinely great kid. Um, who really wanted to bring like some hometown glory, like and, and have his family and friends at his at his games and kind of put UTEP on the on the map? I mean, if you think back to 2016 when Texas played last against UTEP, we talked about it in our preview podcast. But Aaron Jones actually went off for 18 carries and 123 and a TD against Texas. The team did not fare particularly well, but he did, and I could see a situation where Hankins getting the lion's share of the carries for UTEP um, tests, you know, the Longhorn front. I guess six, um, basically box in the new terminology of defense is the the, the, the front uh, unit because um, he is a good running back and he will run you over. He had a 41-yard run where he he broke at least like five tackles um, from SFA defenders up the middle. Um, so, I mean, it, it will be a challenge where, you know, he's going to be uh, as good as probably half the running backs they, they, they play or, or at least a quarter this season. Um, and so, you know, it, it will be a good test without being, I think, a 2 threatening of a test I do think their passing game and their offensive line um, is, is is not particularly great and I, I the one caveat right let's not blow out of proportion is that they were playing and, and and made a strong second half showing to win against an FCS team and Stephen F Austin that while they have a great exciting new coach who will probably turn that program around they were a three win team last year. So again, um, a level down and not a particularly good FCS team. Um, so so you do have to take it with lots of grains of salt, but again, I think it will be a good test for the Texas run game before you get Puka Williams and before you get Chuba Hubbard and before you get some of the better running backs in the big 12 that, you know, at least in your, I would say you should absolutely win by a lot of points game. You still see something that you can take away, uh, and, and grow off of for the season to come.
0: This is this is going to sound terrible, but whatever. Um, our UTEP preview guy was like, yeah, they're not going to be good this year. Um, so I feel okay saying this. This is an opportunity for Texas to get some reps in the trenches against people wearing other jerseys, right? You can only hit your own teammates for so long until it gets boring. And so the ability to play against another team, and I think the ability to get some of these younger guys some live fire reps like you've got guys like Alfred Collins who are number two on the depth chart. You've got guys like Andre Carrick who are true freshmen number two on the depth chart. And so getting some of these younger guys in game experience, getting Casey Thompson and probably Hudson card quite a bit of playing time on Saturday is a big deal. And I don't want to just reduce it all down to like what's going to happen, but I really think, um, there's something that happens to a football team and to a, an athlete when they finally get to see somebody in a different color jersey. And UTEP has some really nice, like clay brown. Or clay Orange jerseys that they wore against Stephen F. Austin, but they'll be they'll be in white jerseys on uh, <laughs> on Saturday. And so, getting to see somebody on another team that you're not in the same locker room with, and really get some live fire underneath your belt, kind of shows you what you're made of. And really, there's some guys that are practice warriors that maybe won't show up on Saturday, and there's some guys that are um, gamers and they may not have the best practices, but they show up in games. So, I'm interested to see how some of that shakes out as well, and so that that kind of leads us to the the next question that I want to have is like what are you hoping to see from Texas? This is the first time we're gonna get to see Texas play football in like what nine months, basically nine almost ten months at this point. um December yeah, I, December to, nine
1: months and in twelve, twelve yeah. days. it was december thirty first, a few hours shy of twenty twenty. Yeah. so like again,
0: nine and a half months we haven't seen this team play football so what are you hoping to see from texas on saturday
1: well for me i'd like to see them dominate on all three fronts right like i mean i think back to the the san jose state game a couple years ago where it's a team that you know you should beat and you do and and you you leave it without any doubt you get lots of reps for lots of uh players you know up and down the depth chart and you walk away with no injuries, obviously, but it's a comfortable win, and there's nothing silly, but teach the guys, like you said, not just, you know, hey, it's I get to hit someone else, but teach the guys to win and to dominate and to punish their opponent, right? Don't let up. Like, get that mentality of I don't care if I'm playing Kansas or UTEP or Oklahoma – I go every play and try to just absolutely mollywop the guy across from me. And I hope that some of the units on defense specifically that we've uh, praised and talked about that that defensive line can just, you know, really get a feeling for pinning their ears back and hitting somebody hard, really get a feeling for stuffing a running back. Um, you know, I'd love to see our, our secondary, you know, get some get some gaudy numbers with, with multiples of pass breakups and interceptions. Um, you know, people tackling the ball get some some fumbles. I think there was – uh, a couple fumbles, uh, or at least at least one or two from from UTEP uh, in their first game. So, you know, I'd love to see the defense really swarm and dominate. But, you know, I'd, like I said, I'd also like to see a secondary that is so clearly athletically, um, you know, overmatching their opponent play that way. And I would like to see a defensive line that really needs to get in the habit of kicking people's butt really do it. And then linebackers, right? Here's your chance where you know, all right, we've been the slept on unit. Let's get downhill. Let's get a couple sacks from the linebacker group. Let's get overshone off the edge, just full speed unleashed at a quarterback who's never seen a player move that fast in his direction. Um, you know, and, and and let's let's do some let's do some damage in, in that sense, and, and build up you know build up that winning mentality, build some muscle memory on just kicking kicking some tail on the guy across from you.
0: Post game, when your players talk about. Yeah, you know, we don't want to overlook any opponent. We don't want to look past any opponent. And then, like, you have class with those guys on, you know, Monday, and you're like, did you really actually think it was like, no, I knew I'd be out by the second quarter, right? So, like, that's that's <laughs> one of the things that I hope to see on Saturday. But I really think the other thing that I hope to see is I want to see dominant run defense because I'm not necessarily not con- – I'm not not concerned, right? I, you always pay attention to the pass defense in the Big 12. Like, that's just what we do. But – I think the run defense is where I have more questions because Puka Williams absolutely went off on Texas last year, right? I think if there's going to be a deficiency on this defense, it's going to be against the run. And even though the big 12 is your passing is, is your air quotes passing league? Because again, that's a reductive argument that people make on four letter networks to keep big 12 teams out of big conversations. Um, The run defense is where I think it's going to start for Texas, and we talk about it on this podcast all the time. If you can bottle up running for a team, whether it's between the tackles, running backs, whether it's the option or zone read RPO game, if you can bottle that up, then third downs get real easy because it's, hey, guys on the outside, pin your ears back. Hey, defensive backs, balls in the air, know it, right? So, like, I hope to see dominant run defense. I want to see Snacks Coburn absolutely eat. On set. like I want I want it to be a bloodbath from that defensive line. And I want to see these linebackers play up to—we talked about it in our defensive preview last week. We we know there's a really high ceiling, but I guess we get to figure out now what the floor is for this defense.
1: Yeah, and, and the thing with the Big 12 offenses, right, it, it, okay, call it a passing league. Almost all of the success done is off RPO and play action. There's always a run— element you have to establish the run every big 12 team we're no longer we haven't been for six or seven years in a pure air raid type conference um if texas becomes the type of unit like a tcu has been in the past that takes the run away from teams and makes them pure drop back because you know the the play action is is you know not incredibly effective against a unit that's averaging you know a yard and a half a carry to opposing running backs um that makes that makes them incredibly dangerous. So again, build those habits uh, this week. I mean, I think, I think we we talked a lot about the defense because I think you and I both believe that the offense will see some guys get in there. But I mean, I would also like to see us put up points in varied ways, right? Let's run the ball. Let's throw the ball. Um, you know, let's let's spread it out and, and get people involved. I want to see um, playmakers make plays in space. Basically, I'll I'll, I'll synthesize all of our gains to that. I want to see running backs get the corner and go. I want to see, you know, receivers take screens and, and, and have, you know, 50, 60 yak, uh, yards after the catch. Let's get yaks on, on both sets, uh, yards after contact for running backs and yaks for receivers. Let's, um, let's have playmakers and let's look like it and feel like it and, and you know really um, again like these are kids who dominated every single one of them at the high school level and and you know they they maybe have had some excess at the college level but let's let's look like these are the best players in the country like we you know assumed they were when we put together these top ranked classes and brought them to the University of Texas
0: absolutely so uh, before we get to podstradamus one of my favorite things we do every uh, every game weekend during football Kyle you of course Because this is what you like to do Have a random quiz for me in the show notes
1: (laughs) I have sprung this upon you yet again Gerald, you obviously know I don't know if you ever Question first Have you ever driven to El Paso, Texas?
0: I have not
1: So it's a ways out there I've driven through it on my way to California I've driven to it um, Intentionally, actually Um, But I've made that trip out on Interstate uh, 10 Out there quite a few times So um, they're coming from the extreme, extreme west of Texas to the central of Texas. It's a good haul uh, for them. Uh, however, last week they met someone from even further away from the east of Texas, obviously the Stephen F. Austin uh, Lumberjacks, and I just don't want to miss the point that this may be the only time in history that two um, axe-related mascots played with the El Paso Miners and their pickaxes and the Stephen Austin Lumberjacks, but they met. <laughs> they met across the state. Gerald How many miles do you think are between El Paso, Texas and Nacogdoches, Texas?
0: Oh, my gosh. Um, I have no clue. Um, (laughs) 600.
1: Okay, that's that's safe. I, it made me think we'd, we're, we're Scrubs fans. Obviously, there's a quote from Scrubs of uh, we know he's got to know uh, geography is my Achilles heel when he asks him where New Zealand is and he says hop skipping skip away from it.
0: Old Zealand.
1: Correct, correct. I knew you'd be there. Um, no, so you're not too too far off. So I will say this, Gerald: um, the distance from Nacogdoches, Texas, to Chicago, Illinois, is about. I think it's about 800 miles. And it's slightly more than the 796 that Nacogdoches is from El Paso because Texas is just a ridiculously large state. And I don't know if I could have let us uh, pass uh, w- without without at least throwing that stat out there. Sorry, I had to quiz you. On the
0: spot. It's all good. I always love to tell the story about when my, my cousin from New York came to Texas to visit for a week and like, hey, let's drive to New Mexico for the afternoon. And I was like, I, I know I know you guys like, like to go to Jersey or Connecticut or whatever, <laughs> but <laughs> let's talk about the distance to New Mexico. Uh, and, and it was like, no, we're, we can drive to Austin, maybe. <laughs> we could probably do that for an afternoon. But anywho, so... Podstradamus is a thing we do every game week during football season where Kyle and I put on our wizard hats and try to uh, prognosticate about what's going to happen on Saturday. So we try to pick a specific uh, player area or event that will happen on Saturday, we try to make our best guess, and then we give each other grief whether or not we get it. We also try to uh, find roundabout ways to justify us being right <laughs> when it's not right. We're like, well, if you do this, 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 and this, you look at it sideways and you squint, I was actually right. That's something that we both do uh, to perfection. So, Kyle, I think we're going to keep score this year. I think we're going to keep uh, try to keep score this year. So, what is your Potsdamas prediction for week one against UTEP?
1: Oh great! This year we're keeping score. After I was like ten and zero last year. No, um, I'll say this: um, I'm gonna I'm gonna give myself some wiggle room here because I'm gonna I'm gonna split this one and maybe I could get a half point. Um, whether the number is two or the number is nine, in both cases I am taking the over. And I know that sounds like a riddle. Let me explain it to you, Gerald. If the number line is set at two. And the thing that it is describing is quarterbacks throwing a pass. I am taking, or excuse me, players. Let me clarify very, very quickly. Players throwing a pass. I am taking the over that more than two players will throw a pass for the University of Texas uh, on on Saturday. All right. So there's my first half of this. And also, Gerald, if it's players catching a pass and that line is set at 9 I'm still taking the over. I think we'll have double-digit players. Uh, and I, I say players, again, very specifically, because that could be tight ends, receivers, running backs, um, catching a pass. So I feel very all comfortable. In- <laughs> Please. Please give that to me. Give me Cosme getting 15 catches uh, this year. I, I Come on. He'll be drafted as a tight end. It'll be amazing. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm going offense on both of my picks, and I'm going with passing the ball on both of my picks, and I feel pretty comfortable with the over on each of those.
0: Okay, if you're going to make two, I'm, I'm also going to make two. So my first one is real easy, and I'm putting an actual specific thing on it, Kyle. Uh, Texas running back. Probably Keontae Ingram, maybe Roshan Johnson goes for more than one hundred and fifty on Saturday.
1: A, so I think one, a single running back. I just want to clarify. A
0: single running okay. back goes for a buck fifty on Saturday. Don't hold me to whom, <laughs> but Keontae is listed at number one on the death chart, but. I don't think the depth chart actually matters uh, at this point, but I do think one Texas running back, you mentioned San Jose state. And I think back to the, the game that made Chris Warren, the message board legend, uh, where he's a volume guy, give him all the volume. (laughs) Then when they gave him volume, he sucked there. I said it Uh, finally. Uh, So, and on the defensive side of the ball, I think that Joseph Osai will have three sacks on Saturday.
1: Okay. I, I think both of us went with healthy numbers that we set, um, aggressive, but healthy. Uh, I, I, I like that mine more caters to uh, depth chart and us kicking their butts and, and getting out there. And yours, tailors to us doing it early, right? Like we're getting sacks with the first unit and yards with the first unit. So either way, for us to be both right, we're going to have to kick butt early and often. So I, I, I like where our heads are at. Today's
0: episode is brought to you by cars.com.
1: All right, so let's move now to obviously everyone's favorite part of the week. We're going to bring it back. It's been gone a little bit during the offseason, but the burnt orange lenses. we take a view of the world around us with some rose-colored glasses. Um, first, Gerald, I just want to ask you, did you see um, the ESPN College Game Day segment with uh, Maria Taylor that um, Joseph Osai was, I believe, one of seven uh, student-athletes to be a part of where they talked kind of greater social justice and the impact um an importance of why the conversations that are going on now are going on. I did. I thought it was incredible. I thought Joseph Ozai was one of the most remarkable young men I've I've seen. Um I'm I'm so proud that he represents the University of Texas. He's so um intelligent, articulate and just like he he when I was that age, I don't know if I could have so clearly, you know, said my my truly heart like wrenching feelings like it's one of the stories he was talking about of um you know for it matters because for young black players you know we need to make sure we're always wearing something with the university of texas logo on it so if a cop sees us they know okay it's a, it's a, maybe a football player we take our earrings out both hands on the way just those things that um again conversations that certain parts of the country have with their sons that other parts don't have and, and i'll leave it at that but um i i just thought it was moving and it was incredible, and I'm so glad ESPN did it in College Game Day, um, kind of you know allowed that space. Uh, wh- what'd you think, Gerald?
0: You know, when, when they announced that it was going to be Joseph Osai, I thought it was an interesting pick, um, just because, you know, Caden Stearns has been a guy who's been really out in front on a lot of uh, Texas's social justice initiatives and things like that. Uh, but then when I heard Joseph Os- Osai sharing, um, the way that he's able to communicate his thoughts and feelings and, uh, like, emotions, even in a way that I wasn't capable of at, at 20, um, and probably still am not at 30 and change, <laughs> um, was, was really, really interesting. I think it's a... Um, Again, it's conversations that I think are unnecessarily polarizing to people because I think people just roll their eyes sometimes when uh, you talk about social justice things in in sports context. But I think when – I I think back to what the what the players were saying when they rallied over the summer that, you know, I'm a Texas football player for four years. I'm a black man for the rest of my life. And so being able to put it out there. And I think, you know, Joseph Osai said, like, football is my safety net. Like, football is the thing that, um, you know, I, I know I am I'm safe because of And Not everybody has that. And so I think giving players the opportunity to share their perspective, uh, hopefully it's a conversation that people are willing to have and willing to listen to uh, and, and, and really be in on.
1: Yeah. I, I, I love that. Um, I, I think, uh, like I said, Kirk Herbstreet came out of it in tears and that was just emotional um, to see him kind of react that way. And probably the thing that got more Longhorn media attention and, and you know, certainly deserves a lot was that herb street then uh the second time you know being uh very uh relevant in the ut message board world uh made his picks for the college football playoffs and, and gerald lo and behold the university of texas was one of those final four he did not have us winning the national championship i think it was an alabama rematch in his scenario where we lost in the playoffs but uh, seems to be some some early season hype back to the good old days of texas football
0: I'm fine with that. I think some of that was based on they like we have questions about Spencer Rattler and I'm like, I don't until a OU quarterback has issues multiple years in a row. I will not have questions about an OU quarterback (laughs) there. I said it, Um, but I think it's, it's good to see. I think Texas, I hope this doesn't turn into another meme. We actually are, uh, we just passed the anniversary of Texas is back, becoming a meme mm-hmm. after the uh, preseason game against a Notre Dame team that was overrated. Come to find out they were awful. old, so was that Texas team. Um, but I think it's, it's, it's good to see Texas back in the national conversation, and without being the sunshine pumper that we have been accused of, I think if there's a team and if there's a year, it's this year. Uh,
1: I think you're absolutely right, and I love that. Uh, so we have some some additional uh, news, maybe not good news, I, well, cer- certainly not good news. We'll start with this story, actually. So the NCAA furloughed their entire staff of 600 in their Indianapolis office for anywhere uh, to three to eight weeks, which is just tough, right? Uh, love, hate or have indifference towards the NCAA, um, those employees certainly um, you hate to see that and that's a tough thing to swallow for any employee in any situation but it was not only at the NCAA highest level, um, the University of Utah furloughed every member of their athletic department including their athletic director and all their head coaches um, and then yet again it's not immune from it at home, the Texas athletic department furloughed um, laid off or reduced Salary for hundreds, Um, I think uh, what CDC ultimately released as a number that's Crystal Conte in this instance um, was 13.1 million in savings that could be had from um, this initiative. And again, with reduced um, capacity and, and, you know, free at the soccer games and, and, you know, seasons being shortened and things being canceled, um, you know, you understand why Uh, they are obviously... Uh, have an incredible revenue but they're still you know have to manage fiscally uh, responsibly and you hate to see it you feel for each of the 35 staff members laid off the 11 which were furloughed and and you know the, the 35 vacant positions that are erased um from the queue basically so you think of 81 people who could have been um helping the, the Texas Longhorn to get where they want to be from an athletic standpoint, who will not be doing that. So it's it's tough to swallow. It's a tough day for Longhorn Nation. I think that was earlier this week when that was announced. So um, tough all around. It's crazy to see that the University
0: of Texas, which is year after year one of the two most lucrative athletic departments having to make these moves. A lot of it is preemptive, I think, because they know there's going to be a massive revenue loss at the football games. There's going to be a lot of, a massive revenue loss. Um, cause football is, is, you know, what, like 50 to 60% of their athletic revenue each and every year. And so, um, not having ticket sales, having massively reduced, uh, concession sales, all those types of things I think are, uh, and it's, it's again, you feel for the people that are impacted by this. And so you know, I, I really, um, there's not much to say other than like let's try to get this through this thing so uh, more more people don't have to lose their job.
1: It, yeah, com- completely agree with you there. So um, the, the the news story I was kind of alluding to before this is that there is some good news and some uh, some bad news, but again, hopefully temporary news. The NFL roster um, got to its kind of final 53 uh, men. Cut point, um, and there were some Longhorns who uh, were on the correct side and some who, I will just say, were uh, going to make some GMs embarrassed, right? All Longhorns, obviously, you're going to have productive NFL careers, but the good ones. Uh, there were some good stories. Texas defensive end Chuck Amena who named the starter for the Houston Texans opposite J.J. Watt. J.J. seemed excited when they asked him about it. Uh, said he's made some huge leaps in his second year. He's excited to see what he can... Call them Chuck. That, you know, uh, what starts on this podcast changes the world. I don't know if we actually did that, but I hope so. Um, <laughs> uh, Ravens uh, safety Deshaun Elliott, who again is, is kind of bumped into the limelight uh, per, uh, or uh, Thomas no longer being on the team is kind of directly filling in for him. Um, it was, I believe uh, one of the NFL network guys, Brian Baldinger, I think said that uh, for the Ravens defense in 2020, the breakout player will be Deshaun. Uh, so I think, the Joker, Deshaun Elliott, ready to be uh, ready to, to to have some of that potential realized in the NFL, and I think can have a, a stellar season. So that's exciting. And then additionally for the Saints, there was one on each side. Malcolm Roach uh, joins Malcolm Brown again. That's M O C M, well C O L M, Colm versus C O M, Um, Which again, also there's the other Malcolm Brown with C O L M. It's confusing, guys. But Malcolm Roach is on the Saints, 53-man on that defensive line with Malcolm Brown. Um, and then, uh, unfortunately, I think he'll probably bounce a, a bit as he did last year. Guys suited up for a playoff game, but Lil' Jordan Humphrey uh, announced on the Saints practice squad.
0: Yeah, I mean it's it's crazy to see like Malik Jefferson is it got cut like it's sad to really think about that. Uh, Marcus Washington was released. I think PJ Locke landed on somebody's practice squad, but I I do not recall whose yeah, practice squad. But he was cut from the active roster.
1: He's one like Lil' Jordan Humphrey for me that I think is he's like a next man up. They have three safe. It's the Broncos. They have three safeties on their active roster, um, and like three or four on their, their practice squad. So I think there's probably a good chance that they're saying anyone gets hurt. You know, these guys are coming up. So I think PJ lock is a pretty safe name to see that he'll get some, some snaps this year.
0: Yeah. So again, I, I, it, it. Glad to see the guys finding success. I think Malcolm Roach is going to be a guy who, if he sees the field, will probably uh, show a little bit for his uh, his hometown Saints.
1: Yeah, I love that. I think the only there's probably some more that I that I missed when I was putting all of this together. I think the only other one was um, Adrian Colbert, who uh, again a guy who was had a great NFL career, probably better than he did in college even. Um, but you know, was on the Chiefs staff. I think he got a ring, um, but uh, he was released by by the Chiefs. But hey, uh, it's tough to make. The Super Bowl champ he's a guy think could land somewhere else in that long line of Texas safety. So um, on to college football a little bit. Uh, I did want to point out, uh, Gerald, we, we did a good job last year tracking Mack Brown and Shane Bouchelle and some of the guys who'd gone elsewhere because Longhorns for life. Um, but we, we tweeted out a week or two ago, but uh, SMU, the the potential permanent home of many Texas transfers to fin- finish out their careers. Um, currently has two, I believe. Uh, Longhorn, uh, I'll say goods, maybe not greats is the right word, but Longhorn goods. Uh, and Shane Bouchelle Shane has records. I'll say that. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, <laughs> and, and and Chris Nagar was filled in very very admirably for Bucevski when he was hurt. So good that again he's the starting. Punter and kickoff specialist for SMU. Um, took them a little bit to squeeze by. the. Uh, again, we started the podcast, so we should only fittingly uh, end it with some Texas State Bobcat uh, propaganda. They looked actually really good under Coach Spav. Um, the, the Bobcats are probably on the right trajectory, but they gave uh, SMU everything they could handle. Um, but Boosh did uh, go ahead and, and open the season with one, we'll call it, uh, Longhorn alum victory
0: absolutely net uh chris nagger just came in and decided to take over all of the kicking and punting like he's not just the place kicker not just the kickoff specialist but he's all he's doing it all punting kicking kicking
1: all of it and I absolutely love to see it like an smu jared wiley no um gerald you you mentioned it earlier on uh, the week in our our uh monday or excuse me tuesday show when you talked about the uh, the b-o-m-c well it gets real gerald On the the Hoops recruiting, obviously Longhorns, it's either a clear case of inflation uh, by the Burn Orange media, uh, or eh, maybe Shaka Smart being good at his job and the part of his job that he's never been questioned about, which is developing, finding overlooked diamonds in the rough. But. Um, A few of the recruits, Mr. Joplin, jumped 100 spots to number 59 nationally, according to 247. Uh, Ellis uh, also um, moved up quite a bit to just outside the top 100. And Damian Collins, a guy who, again, I'm very hopeful uh, that will be the next or one of the next uh, UT recruits uh, listed to to committing to the University of Texas. He hasn't committed it yet, but he is a a hot, I believe, right now on the recruiting sites, uh, moved rightfully so into the top 20. Nationally, so again, Gerald, how biased is the burnt orange media? I mean, it, it, everything. Texas,
0: Texas is paying all of the media uh, <laughs> sources to inflate recruiting rankings, and there's a definite Texas lean, especially not because Shaka and his recruiting staff are really good at identifying players early and offering early and really getting in early. It's not that at all.
1: It's obviously very clear, not just at the sporting levels. I mean, if you saw the was it, the national colors challenge or day or whatever on the fourth um even on good morning america they had hoda and the virginia tech chillers and then who next to her jetta bush and the ut palm squad featured on good morning america you can't if you're a poor aggie you can't turn on any channel without seeing some successful longhorn out there just being a product of this burn orange obvious uh tint and conspiracy you know
0: what, you know what? stay mad, stay mad. <laughs> just stay mad about it <laughs> die mad about it if you need to
1: So speaking of seeing Longhorns everywhere on your screen Or just good things on your television Because Longhorns are good Uh, Gerald, the segment formerly known as Gazillatron Where we're watching a giant screen uh, At the south end zone of the uh, What is now Let me get it right The Campbell-Williams field um, at DKR Gerald, what are you watching on your oversized screen?
0: That's a a great segue So uh, not a ton of time to watch stuff this week The... uh... The child is being childish and that, that happens, but uh, the boys is back for season two. Um, it is basically a, it's a it's a based on a comic book. but um, what if superheroes were, uh, corporate shills and also terrible people and so um, it's not one to watch with the family or with the kids um, just like what like the first scene of the show so like the equivalent of the flash just runs through somebody and they explode So like that's how the show starts and so um, again not one to watch with the kids but I think the second season is better than the first season uh, it's been really oh, nice. really good uh, and so it's, it's I have this weird Carl Urban thing where I've never seen a Carl Urban product that I didn't enjoy. It may not have been good. But I enjoyed it. So Carl uh, Urban is one of the leads in that show. Um, again, not one to watch with the kids. But uh, if you if you don't mind some swearing and some irreverent superhero things happening, then uh, you might want to check it out.
1: Gerald, I mean, it's probably different generations' version of this. But what do you feel stronger about, the Dennis Quaid effect or the Carl Urban effect? That you know, it can it doesn't necessarily guarantee greatness, but it absolutely eliminates the potential for being a bomb.
0: So there was there was a. I, one, you and I have been Dennis Quaid effect people for years, right? Since, I think mm-hmm. since Frequency came out, you're like, I don't know if that movie was good, but I enjoyed it. Uh, if you remember the movie Frequency, that was yep. a thing. Um, and then before Ryan Reynolds was a star, there was also the Ryan Reynolds thing where, like, be- sure. Bef- pre-Deadpool, Ryan Reynolds was like, yeah, he was indefinitely, maybe, and then he did this movie where it was really weird. and see, Anywho, but... Um,
1: Two guys, a girl, and a pizza place? Well, that
0: was that was where Ryan Reynolds got his start, and that's always the right <laughs> answer for, I knew this person was going to be a star before they were a star. Huge head! Huge head, <laughs> going to be a star. Uh, but I, I like, Carl Urban just makes like nerdy movies that I love, and so I think Carl Urban, uh, because of the recency of it, probably gets the edge.
1: Okay, I love it. I love it. Um, the Boys sounds like if you're superhero movied out, um, which again, you all should have watched uh, Black Panther this this past week or so. Um, but other than Black Panther, if you've been watching too much superhero, I have not seen The Boys, but it sounds like it might be a nice kind of realistic or even surrealistic antidote to like superhero tropedom, right?
0: Yeah, so like they're they're all a send up of the like justice league characters. So like you're, Mm. you're, you've got the Superman analog who is, um, who is just a terrible person and will do anything to stay at the top of the corporate ladder. And you've got, um, your, your Aquaman analog who is, um, who is uh, sexually harasses new members of the superhero team. And so like they they hit on like, it it hit right when the me too movement thing happened and they added a new female member of the team. And so there was a whole like that subplot happened. It was uh, again, completely inappropriate.
1: I was going to say, I feel bad that I laughed when you said that it's just the fact that they thought to include it as parody folks. Again, we're not encouraging sexual harassment, but it is um, a toxic and disgusting part of our society that should be laughed at, mocked and, and called out whenever seen. But uh, I will transition definitely off there. Speaking of kind of surrealistic experiences, um, Gerald, do you remember, and I know you're not the, the world's largest soccer fan, but do you remember when NBC Sports got the rights to the Premier League and Jason Sudeikis played a coaching shorts, mustachioed, American-like bumpkin college, or maybe professional, but football coach who goes abroad and becomes the head coach of the Tottenham Hotspur? You remember there is a couple commercials. Uh
0: yes because it's a Bill Lawrence product.
1: There you go. All right. So so yes, yeah, so these commercials were hilarious. Like I watched them and it was just very good. And they, they, I think they had some extended one. I think one was like a couple minutes long. Um, and I, I was, you know, I think Jason Sudeikis is so charming and incredible, handsome, anyways. Uh, and so I just thought it was a great premise. Like, okay, way to introduce kind of soccer to uh, the American audience. And by the way, just a, a caveat for our non-soccer watchers: all of my friends who live in England and support uh, English. Premier League, which is specifically what we're talking about, say that it's much easier to watch the American stream of every game than it is in the British media, where they kind of decide what game gets shown, and you miss a lot, um, which is just a crazy phenomenon, but there you are. Um, anyways, that's all to say. So you're right. One of our favorites, Bill Lawrence, creator of, of Scrubs and, and, and the you know, criminally underrated Cougar Town, um, and, and many other uh, classics, is um, Got the Apple TV money to take basically those shorts and turn it into a show. Um, the first season has been released, uh, and I'm here to tell you, listeners, it's great. I, I mean, I shouldn't be surprised because again, Bill Lawrence is 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 like objectively fantastic, but also specifically my cup of tea. Um, but it is a very very good show, and they really fleshed out the experience and there's a great cast around him but Jason Sudeikis is really the only star you'll recognize Um, but it may not be the single most laugh out loud I'm slapping my knee repeatedly though I definitely did laugh Um, but it in the way that Scrubs could hit you with really funny stuff or also some of the most emotional scenes in the history of television it really does a good job with the emotional side and I won't spoil anything but this you know it's tough no matter what you're leaving behind to restart your life on the other side of the ocean. And and he does have a family, Um, but they really play into some of that dynamic. And he feels like the most like lovable guy you're rooting for. He's such an optimistic character. Like he's just like, he's, he's, he's lovable and, and you root for him so like vehemently. And he just keeps, you know, the, the previews show him turning around to talk to someone as he walks into, you know, a, a door and it's a very small English door that you should, kind of go down the steps, duck a bit, and he whacks his head. And that's kind of the the show, is he just keeps having things happen to him that force him against his, like, because he doesn't know what he's looking at and what's around him to whack his head in a comedic fashion. Um, but it's great. And they the way they did it, they released multiple of the episodes in a batch. And then they're parceling out after that. I think six have been released. And I think there's ten total. Maybe seven have been released um, when this podcast comes out. But I am it'll be weekly watching for me when each new episode comes out. So it's a great time if you all want to catch up. They're like 23 minutes each, um, the episodes. So, so stream them if you've got a couple hours catch up with me. Let's watch it. And let's, let's be, uh, lasso heads. I don't know what we're calling it, but, uh, join me in standing.
0: Yeah, uh, anything Bill Lawrence is gonna get my like my seal of approval. Cougar Town, worst name, best show. Like if you have, it's, it's it's a funny show, but it has a terrible terrible name. Uh, there was a show that they did concurrently uh, with Scrubs called Clone High. that's actually about to get like a refresh uh, that you also probably know. Uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller, who um, who've done like Lego Movie and kind of anything uh, that's been critically lauded uh spider verse as well eps of spider verse so like uh they did that with bill lawrence and it's hilarious um but again there was also a show called whiskey cavalier that was about like it's kind of a comedy drama about secret agents only lasted one Hmm. season uh starred scott foley who is just incredible love scott foley but anywho i could talk about bill lawrence all day i haven't i have not watched (laughs) ted lasso because it's on apple tv and the apple tv is in our bedroom and we the 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 newborn is still just young enough to sleep right next to our bed, so he can't really watch TV uh, in there. But it's on like as soon as he moves to his own dang room, that is will be marathoned by the Goodridges.
1: I streamed it on the computer. I'll say that um, you could do a free one week trial of Apple TV, and it's uh, I mean it doesn't there's no huge set pieces that necessarily require a, a giant screen though. That is uh, antithetical to this uh, episode about the Godzilla and our giant uh, screens, which we mostly all possess. But uh, yeah, it was fine. On the computer. Um, I would recommend it, Gerald. I think you specifically would love it.
0: Uh, I will have to check it out. But that's all we got for you this week. Kyle, where can the folks find you on the internet?
1: Oh, you can find me on Twitter at Kyle Carp. You can also follow the Texas Pregamer. We're back, baby, at Texas Pregamer.
0: You follow me on Twitter. I'm at GH Goodrich. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Choose an email, LonghornerPublicPod at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook for, and this is the big announcement, Kyle. We will be live streaming via Facebook Live following each Texas game this year. So we'll be on Facebook Live. Uh, we did a little bit of it on Periscope last year, had some technical issues. We'll be doing it on Facebook Live, and we host it on the Longhorn Republic page. So if you haven't followed us there and you'd like to be a part of that live stream audience, we'll do it uh, but probably about 10 or 15 minutes after kickoff each and every game day.
1: I'll say this, Gerald, real quick. Um, I don't know if I've told this anecdote on the podcast, but we had a listener. I went to a um, a meetup for another podcast, College Football's Only Podcast, hosted by Spencer Hall, um, the Shutdown Fullcast. And uh, when they were in Houston and met some people, and, and there was a few Longhorn fans, and a couple of them said, "Oh, we listen to the show." And I will just say, without spoiling um, all the specifics, they they were surprised when they saw me. Um, and, and what I looked like versus what I sounded like. I'm sure they just didn't imagine I was as handsome as I am. But uh, so if you want to see these mugs, if you want to know the uh, the dulcet tones of Gerald's uh, voice, where they're coming from, um, once you see him, you're like, of course that handsome uh, voice must come from a handsome man. But you need to tune in because we don't just put this out all the time. You got to tune in after the game on our Facebook Live and you can uh, you can see us and get that real-time reaction.
0: Absolutely. My son will probably burst in on the afternoon games like Texas OU. (laughs) Guaranteed my son will burst in so you get to see what the best-looking member of the Goodrich household looks like. That's completely okay. Uh, But thank you so much for tuning in again this week. We will see you Saturday evening for our first live stream. Again, Facebook at the Longhorn Republic. Thank you so much for tuning in. And until next time,
1: hook'em. Hook'em. We're back.